0: This is a Sport Australia podcast production.
1: Hello and welcome to the Sport Governance podcast series. My name is Kate Corkery and I am the Director of Sport Governance and Strategy at Sport Australia. Over this series, we will take a deep dive into the sport governance principles and how they come to life in practice. Each podcast will focus on an individual principle with a special guest joining me to share their experiences and practical advice with respect to that principle. In today's episode, we are focusing on the final section of the Sport Governance Principles, The Game is Changing, Contemporary and Stable Governance Structures. This section highlights that structure is an enabler for supporting the way national and state sporting organisations collaborate, how they share strategies, streamline administration, achieve consistent constitutions governing structures and behaviours, which in turn decrease complexity and increase in agility. Sports can achieve their purpose and deliver timely responses to market needs. Joining me today is James Sutherland, current CEO of Golf Australia. James has a long and distinguished career in the sport industry, having previously been the CEO of Cricket Australia from 2001 to 2018. He currently sits on the board of Cricket's T20 World Cup 2022, the AFL's Geelong Football Club, the Advisory Council to Sport Integrity Australia, and is a member of the Champions of Change Coalition. Welcome, James, and thank you for joining me.
0: Pleasure. Good to join you, Kate.
1: Well, this is certainly a topic full of opportunity and challenge, and I'm really looking forward to getting a sense of your experience over this podcast. But I did want to start with some context. Um, There is increasing evidence that the historical structural model for sport lacks agility. Um, It it doesn't meet the needs of our changing community and the the expectation of participants, spectators, uh, partners and other consumers. As a result, um, the position of traditional sport in Australian culture is being challenged, um, particularly by recreational activities, but also the rise of the internet and on-demand consumerism. More than ever, uh, Australians are choosing non-sport options for their physical activity. Uh, in that context, what is your experience in terms of modern Australia's expectations of sport and how are those expectations changing?
0: Well, I think for a start, the, uh, the expectations... Uh, high and and they're only getting higher. Um, I think um, from that perspective. I mean, to, to drill down on that a little bit, I think there's a there is an increasing focus on um, the the belief that sport should be providing opportunities um, opportunities for the broader community and serving the broader community and um, issues around fairness and and equality, for example, are, are things that are um, are pervading and expected um perhaps far more than more than they were i think there's also an element that comes with that um that with that opportunity you know opportunities to play opportunities to succeed as in to get better and be supported by coaching but then opportunities to thrive as well in a performance level so going into that high performance those expectations are there and they're getting higher all the time and and with it i think comes an expectation around the administration of the game that um, the public just expects sport to get that right. Um, you know, don't bother us with all of that detail about the administration. you just got to get your stuff sorted and get it done. And to some extent, that's an unreasonable expectation because not all sports are resourced as well as the, 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 big, the big ones that, that generate revenue from media rights and what have you but um, it still comes back to that core challenge and um, something that pervades and uh, as I say come back to the question um, there's an expectation that is only getting higher.
1: So we end up talking about modern and contemporary governance structures and that means changing uh, in your experience, why is it so challenging
0: to achieve these structural changes? Um, well, for, so whenever I've faced um, challenges with change, I've always, I've always resorted to a quote that I like that um, is attributed to Robert Kennedy, who a, was a US uh, Senator and obviously part of the Kennedy clan. Um, he said, progress is a nice word, but change is its motivator and change has its enemies. And I think that, um, you know, you can get caught up in the word change. Um, but really what he highlights there is that it's, it's actually about progress. It's actually about getting better. Um, and we all sort of like to think that um, we, we've all got our eyes on um, continuous improvement and, and how our sport can get better. But it does involve change. And um, for various reasons, lots of reasons, uh, which you're alluding to in the question, um, there are obstacles to change, there are obstacles to progress. And I think um, as a, it's a really important and fundamental starting point when you consider uh, how you're trying to progress and, and the great dreams that you may have for your sport, um, to think about the involvement of change and how you can bring people along with you. Um, and and there, perhaps we can, we can, you may want to um, perhaps we can take this conversation a little bit further into into those reasons why um, there may be obstacles.
1: I guess one of those op- obstacles is the, the, the traditional federated system of governing sport in Australia, which has not changed or, or using your language, has not progressed significantly in over 100 years, um, is embedded within our Australian sporting organisations. So that, that takes us to our current sport leaders and our future sport leaders and and I mean at all levels of sport club state national what do we need to continue to progress
0: yeah i mean we've seen you know the the way the way that we're governed not just in sport but um you know in in political life and what have you we've seen um we see that every day we're we're still very much within operating within a federal structure and um you know there's been a great in the last twelve months you know with with the the pandemic, a great illustration of you know we 've resorted back to um, federation and the power of states and it 's perhaps never been more apparent in the last twelve months than any time in the last decade or so how that that all works and, and a lot of that is um, some of that sort of rises um, to the s- surface in sport as we know on a on a pretty regular basis. Um, there, there is a lot of history, and um, and people in Australian sport have um, have a great awareness. You know, people who are playing roles um, as um, servants of the sport, either as volunteers or um, as as paid employees, they have um, that they have a, a line of sight, and 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 never really lose sight of where they've come from and who their constituents are, and that. Uh, in itself can be a, a significant barrier to to progress and change but um, nonetheless um, we we bring ourselves together for the for the sake of the sport and um, and we try to bring that forward and I think the the other thing with that is um, you know the bigger picture being a part of the bigger picture and growth of the sport and the the performances at international level and um, the way in which the sport appeals to spectators and fans and what have you is something that can galvanise people and people can get behind.
1: One of the things about structural change is it is about people, it's led by people, it's championed by people, it's sort of to a certain extent stopped by people. It's not easy and it's not quick and um, you know we've experienced in sport that that it shouldn't just be any one party in isolation that, that is in charge of or responsible for or accountable for the change. It requires the commitment of national sporting organisations and state sporting organisations to achieve that common purpose of strengthening, as you say, the whole sport. Um, what lessons have you learned through being involved in structural change processes?
0: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, my feeling around this is it's really important for a sport to have a, a clear vision and purpose as to why it exists and to and to get the stakeholders to agree on, on that common ground. I remember in cricket, we. Um, we had a vision, um, a vision statement which everyone sort of had a line of sight to, which was cricket, Australia's favourite sport and a sport for all Australians, and and so whatever you did in, um, in the sport, wherever you were in the hierarchy or the structure, um, and wherever you were geographically, you still had a line of sight back to that. And in golf today, we um, you know, we talk all of the time about more Australians playing more golf if if that happens and we're all responsible for growing the game and, and those opportunities everyone in the industry is a is a beneficiary of that and i think that um that goes to the point of uh, of common ground and finding that you know realizing that we have a lot more things in common about the success and and how the sport thrives than we do uh, in opposition um, as we work through change and. Uh, I remember when we were working in cricket, we um, we had Pippa Grange, who, who you may know Kate, is uh, I think a behavioural psychologist and a bit of an expert in sports culture. But she was doing a workshop, I remember, with um, with our management team, Cricket Australia management team and state CEOs one day, and she just said, off the cuff, we all love cricket, don't we? And we all want it to be great. So let's let's talk about that. And I think these sort of conversations perhaps aren't had enough. Um, or not at least at the front end of um, difficult transformational projects and change. Let's talk about why uh, we want our sport to be great and talk about what its potential is and then get into the detail of what the obstacles are. Think about what does success look like and then work through a process of how we get there.
1: Quite often um, I'm asked, and I'm sure you're probably asked, is there a single right governance structure
0: Many may think there is but but so you know, my personal view is no and and I also think um, with that comes comes the the comment and qualification Kate that that I think it's a journey I mean this whole thing about governance and um, the administration of sport and and how we improve is um, is a journey there 's no end point in this, and there 's a constant um, you know, oscillation to try to find um, an equilibrium that that works for all of the stakeholders because um, our whole our community is changing all of the time the environment is changing um, our com- competitor relationships are, are changing and and so to that end we need to continue to adapt. And we continue to, need to continue to keep a, a line of sight to um, this is where the, these vision statements and, and purpose statements come in to, to continue to, to, I guess, look at that light on the hill and, and keep finding that sort of sometimes windy road um, to, to success so that the sport can thrive.
1: And, and you keep coming back to that, that common purpose and vision, once once you've got that line of sight and you've got that lighthouse on the top of the hill, having the ability to prepare a national picture on a range of functions for sport is really considered to be at the forefront as an outcome of good governance and reflective of a strong united sport. Have you experienced this done well?
0: I'd like to think that in, in cricket, we went through some significant transformational change in cricket and um, and I think one of my learnings from that was you you go through that process and you think that um, when you get to the constitutional reform and everyone votes at a general meeting to, to change the way that we're governed that you're there and you you've arrived and there is um, there, there's a new almost a new dawn um, but it doesn't work like that at all it's um, what what happens in that process is that. And golf is going through that at the moment, where where we are um, bringing our states together under under a one golf banner. Um, People take when they when they do subscribe to constitutional reform, they take members take a leap of faith. Um, They they are believing in something that has been put forward uh, largely in concept. And um, to that end, uh, it still needs to be proven, and it needs to be proven every day. You need to build confidence. You need systems of reporting lines, and communication that is really important. I think back to my time in cricket. We um, one of the things I inherited was um, was a trial integration with Women's Cricket Australia, and what was then the Australian Cricket Board. So. Uh, that's only 20 years ago, but um, women's cricket in Australia was separate, separately run, uh, had its own board, se- completely separate company, and Australian cricket ball, which was largely the male side of the game, uh, was the same. And um, one of the things with that that I learnt was to... Um, was that trial integration, which was a two-year period, which um, women's cricket was actually chaired by uh, former Governor-General Dame Quentin Bryce. Um, but her leadership in that process was incredible. And so uh, her confidence and belief, but also um, she brought um, the stakeholders on the women's side along, who were quite, I guess, in some way sceptical about, about it, but they believed in the integration, the trial integration proved the leap of faith. And um, I'd say, you know, reflecting on what's happened in the 18 years since, um, you know, the women's game in Australia has significantly thrived under that um, since since that merger took place.
1: Oh, look, it certainly, certainly has. And uh, I mean, I was present at the final of the Women's T20 World Cup in, in Melbourne in March of, of, of last year, of 2020. And um, being in that environment it, it's very obvious that when you look at the stewardship and the leadership and, and those leaps of faith as you describe them just how uh, extraordinary they can be in terms of impact uh, and I guess that sort of leads me to um, a question around opportunity I mean you've given us a live opportunity there of what can happen when sport adopts contemporary um, governance structures and, and has that Leadership, which is really infinite in its um vision, um, what are the other opportunities you've seen arise out of contemporary governance structures?
0: Yeah, one of the things that I've always felt is that um, under a more contemporary governance, uh, structure, you you end up um, fishing in a in a much um, deeper pond or or, or a a deeper sea. Um, there there has been a tendency, I guess, in the past for uh, for sports to to um, to give roles in, in in important roles in the governance of the game to people that have served for a long time and people uh, it 's almost a tour of duty to and and at the end of that um, there 's the reward of being on the national board or something like that but um, if that's you know if that 's the the sole qualification or criterion by which people get there then uh, clearly that the talent is going to be somewhat limited now that's not to say uh, you don't want people that have vast experience in the game on your board absolutely you do but at the same time you need um, a balance of skills and um, a different sort of demographic and and that's where i, I think one of the the benefits in these um, modern governance principles we see uh, sports now um, being able to choose from a from, from much broader um, and, and diverse sectors of the population. And, and you know, one of the things I say is that um, you, know, you don't even need to um, be passionate about the individual sport because I think that diversity of opinion and view um, can be quite significant in um, helping the sport to progress because I think one of the real keys for, for sport today amongst uh, the various challenges of competition, not just from traditional sports, but as you pointed out in your intro, Kate, um, from all sorts of other leisure pursuits. Um, How do we make ourselves relevant, continue to be relevant in modern day society? And I think that's the big challenge um, for Australian sports. And if all we're doing is having a conversation amongst people that are rusted on passionate um, fans of that particular sport, um, then the conversation is going to go round and round and we're not really going to um, bring some new thoughts to the table.
1: I think we'll um, leave it and, and challenge those who are listening to this podcast series to ask their boards and, and their colleagues and their committees that exact question. Now, how is it that we remain relevant in um, modern Australian um, sport? Uh, James, thank you so much for your insights on this um, challenging <laughs> and important topic Um, and appreciate your time.
0: Pleasure, Kate, no problem at all.
1: If you'd like to access a copy of the Sport Governance Principles, you'll find them at the SportOz website, sportozgovernorau forward slash governance. If you have any feedback or questions, please email us at sportsgovernance at ausport.gov.au. My name is Kate Corkery and I look forward to you joining me for the next podcast in the Sport Governance series.